0: so we're continuing this series um, through the five m's and today we're looking at membership right membership and so today i'm going to talk about a little bit about you know three images that the bible gives to us about what church is and so then relate that to us as members of the church and what that means and how we can then relate with one another and so i want to jump straight into it um the first thing um the first picture that I want to focus on is this image or this metaphor, of church as family, right? And what this uh, one of the things this portrays to us is the intimacy that we have in church. Um, this will be the shortest of the three points, but you probably know the scenario of Mark chapter three, the verse I have here. Right, Jesus is sitting uh, with his disciples, and somebody says, "Hey, your mother and your brother—they're outside. They're looking for you." Right, verse thirty-one. His mother and his brothers came. And they're standing outside. They sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him. And they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And this was his response. He answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, Jesus said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he's my brother and sister and mother. And you find this also in Matthew chapter 12 and Luke chapter 8. And Jesus uses this opportunity to emphasize that intimacy, right? the closeness of the bond that we have as fellow believers. And just to clarify, Jesus isn't saying that family is not important. Right? He's not saying don't worry about family, neglect them. Um, he's not devaluing family. He's really just uh, elevating or increasing the value of our faith family, right? the body of Christ. And we see uh, the importance of biological family, you know, all throughout the Bible, uh, for example, honor your father and mother. And uh, perhaps we see it most clearly when Jesus is on the cross and he's on the edge of death, He's in phys- physical and you know, spiritual, emotional, mental agony, but he has the capacity to think about his biological mother or earthly mother, really Mary. Right. And he, he gives her to John's care in John chapter 19. Right, which is quite incredible when you think about it because Jesus is the savior of the world. He's taking on you know, the sins of you know, God's elect and he's going to receive the wrath of God. And yet he's able to think about Mary and make sure she's taken care of. And so biological family is important. Jesus isn't devaluing it, um, but he's elevating the value of Christian community, right, the church, uh, even to the point that he would compare it to family, which is the closest relationship we have horizontally, right, on earth. There's no other person in this world that you will be closest to uh, except your family until you get married, but then that then becomes your family. And so it's always family that's meant to be the closest relationship that you have. And it's kind of shocking because Jesus isn't saying, well, here's family, and you all know how much uh, how close they are to you, and church is kind of like it but that's not what he says. He he basically says they're equal, right? Or if not anything, faith family might even be more important. And that's quite like astonishing when you think about it. It's challenging It challenges the way we think about each other and the way that we should relate. When you look throughout the rest of the New Testament, um, even the terminology used uh, emphasizes this idea that we are a faith family. I know that word faith family, uh, sometimes it feels like too much. I don't know if you like kind of cringe when someone calls, it, calls us a faith family, um, but it's not too much biblically. And what we're trying to do is speak into reality what God says is true for us in Jesus Christ. Right? The Bible says we are adopted uh, to be sons and daughters of God. Right? That word is, is purposeful. When we're adopted, God becomes our father. Right? That, that's family language. That has huge implications for who I am, in my identity, my belonging. And if I'm adopted as a son of God and you're adopted as a son or daughter of God, and we both call God our father, then of course, naturally, then you are my brother and sister in Christ. And that's the way the Bible you know, relates each of us. Right? That's why we are a faith family. In some ways, the blood that ran down from the cross is stronger than the blood that runs through our veins. Right? The blood of the cross unites us uh, maybe even more strongly than biological family. And I'm not devaluing the family that you have on earth, but I want to emphasize the importance of the intimacy that we have as a church, right? We're more than just, you know, Sunday colleagues. that we say hi to, or we're more than just even close friends. Right? The Bible says we are family. Right? So if you're in a group or you think about the people next to you, or even if you're not in a group, you know, find someone virtually, look at them. They're your family. And is that the kind of heart that you have, you know, toward those people? You know, even if you on earth don't have positive feelings toward your earthly father, in Christ, you have a perfect father. And even if on earth you don't have a place to belong, the church is meant to be a place where we find our faith family. We all have a place here to be loved and to love. And like any earthly family, uh, no you know, spiritual family, you No know, church is perfect. Uh, we won't do everything perfect. Uh, family is rarely perfect, but we love them anyway. And that's the way we treat you know, each other. Um, people don't go around shopping for a new family. Um, you just take them as they are and you love them and you want to grow to, you know, I guess, help them uh, be better people. And that's the way we are in church as well. And so number one, church is family. That's one of the images the Bible gives and it speaks of our intimacy. Right? I want us to kind of you know, grow in that area And I think we have like, I, I, I feel much more like, like family uh, Than I at least personally felt At New Life The second thing, uh, the second imagery Or metaphor is a church as a body Now the Metaphor of a church as a body Is one of the Apostle Paul's favorite uh, Descriptions of the church If not his favorite There's at least half a dozen references Throughout the Bible We're just going to focus on one: First Corinthians 12 Now, 1 Corinthians 12, if you know, it's it's quite a long passage and that in itself should be a sermon series. And so I'm not going to touch on everything that's in it. I'm just going to point out two things, right? Two things focusing on this idea of diversity. The first thing is that diversity is a reality. I talked about this in the Acts series uh, when I talked about ethnic diversity, uh, but whether we're talking about ethnicity or personality or hobbies or giftings, the church is just diverse. Um, this is the way it is. Now, there's areas we won't accept diversity in, um, beliefs about God, the gospel, salvation, right? We should all be loving and serving, right? We're not going to be diverse in those areas, but in many other areas, we are diverse, right? And so in verse 12, it says, just as a body is one and as many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Right. This is like the summary verse of 1 Corinthians 12. It's repeated in verse 14, repeated again in verse 20. Basically, Paul is saying, look at your body. Right? It's made up of toes and nails and ears and eyes and hair. They're all different. They all look weird, right? But they all kind of come back together to make this one thing your body. He's right? saying that's what the church is like. Right? All these diverse parts with different gifts and maybe even different personalities and hobbies, we look different even, but we come together to make one body. And the quicker you accept this diversity as being a reality, the quicker we'll get to unity. Right? If you don't accept that diversity is going to be a part of the church, you're always going to be pushing back. You're always going to be uncomfortable. You're always going to question, you know, why are they different from me? And how come no one agrees with me on these points? Right? But the quicker we accept that diversity is a reality, we'll be on our way toward unity. All right again, just like people in your family are similar in some ways, but different in others. Or right? you're different from your brother, you're different from your sister. Sometimes you wish they could be more like you, but they won't be. And the quicker you accept that they're not, the quicker you will find unity. And again, I said before that we're looking for unity, not uniformity, we're looking for diversity, but not to the point it becomes division. Right? So we want unity in this diversity. second thing I want to point out about this is that diversity is a quality, right? It's a reality. It's something we accept, but it's not just something we accept because it's a great thing. It's a good thing. The Bible says it's a God thing. The diversity we have is something worth celebrating and being excited about because it's this diversity that makes the church actually able to function. Without this diversity, the church would die, right? And so in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Can you imagine one day you wake up and your foot uh, packs these bags and he walks out and he says, well, I don't belong here because I'm not a hand. You know, I'm not as nimble or as useful. I'm always covered up. I'm forgotten. I, you know, I kind of smell. You know, how, how absurd is that, that the foot would complain that it's not like a hand? It's absurd until you think that, well, how many people leave the church for that reason? They say, well, I don't belong here because I'm not, and you can fill in the blanks, I'm not, I don't belong here because I'm not you know, young enough, I'm not old enough, I'm not able to sing on stage like so-and-so, I'm not comfortable in groups, but I'm not funny enough, I'm not Korean, I'm not like this person. X, Y, Z, A, B, C, right? And what you tell that person is what you tell your foot, uh, which is what Paul says in verse 17 to 20. Uh, you'd say, well, you're not meant to be a hand. Why do you compare yourself with a hand? We don't want you to be a hand. You're meant to be a foot. And because you're a foot, uh, you're able to do what a foot can do. And Because the hand is a hand, the hand can do what a hand can do, right? He says in verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where well, would the sense of hearing be, et cetera? Right? And so I'm glad when we look around, we're not the same. But if we were all, uh, I don't know, like me, <laughs> we'd never meet up and <laughs> we'd stay at home all the time. Right? If, we're, if we're all like you know, someone else, I don't not name names, like we'd all be talking over each other all the time. Right? It's glad that we're different. And as I look around, I love that even in our giftings, we are so diverse. Now we'll talk about ministry, um, I think in two weeks, but as I look around, it's awesome that there are people who love Excel and love numbers, right? Because a lot of us, we, we don't love Excel. Uh, some of us are creative, right? We can create masterpieces in music or poetry or design or photography. And the others of us, you know, we, our drawing stopped in primary school and we're drawing the same stick figures we drew back then. Some of us are loud, some of us are quiet and that helps some speak and others listen. Some are comfortable on stage, some are comfortable behind the scenes, right? Some of us like anime, some of us like golf, uh, some of the wives hate golf, some of us like walking, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? This is the beautiful part of the church. Right? When I think about Peter, Daniel and I, and we've done ministry for a while, they're like, we're different. A lot of times we sit down and we spend like hours kind of debating and arguing different things, right? About one thing. But I think that's a beautiful, thing that we, we disagree on some points because it balances us at the end of the day. The product of all this diversity is a spectacular mosaic made up of colourful personalities and people and even different skin colours right? and that's the beauty of the church. And we, um, we're emphasising this um, but the truth is we have a long way to go. Uh, we still have a long way to go in terms of diversity of whether it's ethnicity or just being able to just include people and let them belong. And we as a people need to always strive to be comfortable um, in that discomfort of being around people who are not exactly like us for whatever reason, right? That's always going to be uncomfortable. If we always try to remain in our comfort zone, we will never uh, break that barrier to become more and more diverse. Because naturally, we always prefer to be around those who are exactly like me. And so we need to keep pushing against those boundaries. Right? This is a good thing. It's a God thing. And as Paul goes on, verse 21 onwards, and I won't uh, read the verses. I'll just summarize in my own words. Um, the hope is that in this diversity, um, like a physical body, the many members will be so united, it'll be like they're one thing. But there would be unity in that diversity. Uh, The thing with diversity is the moment you allow diversity, division is right around the corner, right? Without diversity, we wouldn't have division, right? If we're all the same, we'd have nothing to um, exclude or judge or say, oh, you're different from me. But the moment we allow diversity, right? Division is very close. And we kind of see that like with the the horrific situation in America, the division is a result of I guess, diversity and not being able to find unity in that diversity. That's the same for the church. We need to proactively fight for unity in this diversity or else it'll quickly lead to division. And so what you and I, what we don't do in a body is, like when you don't look at uh, like a different member of your body and, and criticize it, you don't make fun of the weaker parts of your body. You don't shame the less attractive parts of your body because you, know, you care about the whole thing, right? If you make fun of your foot, you're making fun of yourself and that's silly. And instead we champion the weaker members, we cover the shame of others and we protect each other, right? That's what the church is meant to look like. Even in that diversity, we're there for one another. And so verse 26, it's got this kind of beautiful image. It says, if one member suffers, all suffer together, And if one member is honored, all rejoice together, right? I don't know. I love that picture of the church. But when you think about your body, when one member suffers, the whole body suffers. When you stub your toe, the whole body feels the pain. It suffers. The eyes tear up. The mouth, it it lets out like a groaning, like pain. The hands automatically move to cradle the toe. Because the toe's hurt is the body's hurt, right? Your pain is my pain. Your shame is my shame. That's the way the church is meant to work. When one member is in pain or suffering, the whole church, you kind of cradle that person and and surround them and care for them. In the the flip side, when one member is honored, all rejoice. You know, when someone compliments one part of your body, it's not just that one part of your body that's happy. Your whole body is happy, right? The whole body rejoices. For example, when I say, your arms look big today. It's not just his arms that are happy right now. I can't see him. But his mouth, maybe, hopefully is curled up. His eyes have disappeared. Um, his whole body is, is kind of like moving around in joy. That's what happens when one part of your body is complimented. At the same way with the church, we celebrate when another person is kind of lifted up and, and honored. And that beautiful unity is what we're trying to attain as a church. That we're like moving as one thing when one person is in pain. We're in pain when one person weeps, we weep. And when one person celebrates good things, we celebrate with them. And we're doing that, I think, well. um, And we're just going to keep pushing for that um, even as we launch. So the church is like family. That's intimacy. And the church is like a body. And one of the things a body portrays is diversity. That diversity is a reality, but it's also a good quality that we're trying to retain. And the third uh, image I want to talk about is a church as an embassy. And that means we have a sanctuary uh, to go to. And uh, apparently sanctuary is the nightclub. I didn't know about this. Um, I don't mean that sanctuary. You know, I mean like, like a place to, to settle and be comforted. I think for me, at least, this is the most powerful uh, imagery of all. Um, it's a little complicated. But, you know, throughout the Old Testament, God has worked through people. Um, that eventually became a nation, uh, a kingdom. Even from the beginning with Adam and Eve, God said, be fruitful and multiply. That was always the plan, to grow and become a group of people. Even from the start, when God calls Abraham, he says, I will make you a great nation, right? It was always God's plan that he would have like a nation, right? Kind of like a country that he would call his own. And this continues throughout the Old Testament. You get, you know, the sons of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Then you get Israel and the tribes of Israel. And the way that um, the tribe of Israel, the people of Israel are described is like this Deuteronomy 7, 6. God says, you are a people holy to the Lord, your God. The Lord, your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And so the people of Israel, they're set apart from every other nation. They're distinct, different. God has specifically chosen them to cherish them as his possession, distinct from the rest of the world. And when we get to the New Testament, when we get to the church, this idea of the people of God being a nation carries through. But when Peter describes the church, he describes it like this in 1 Peter 2. He uses the same language. From the Old Testament, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, right? That's the same word there, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter is purposefully using the same language used in the Old Testament to talk about the church, right? The church, in a way, supersedes Israel. Um, It's the better imagery, but we are also, as a church, a chosen race. We are a holy nation. We are a people, right? Um, Now, what this means is um, just like Israel as a nation were its own entity uh, with its own maybe flag and anthem. They had their own culture. um, They had their own identity that came from being Israelites. Uh, We as a church are very similar. Uh, God speaks of the church in this kind of way. Once you were not a people, but now you are. You are God's people, citizens of God's kingdom. You are like a nation. Uh, Your citizenship is now not of earth. It is of heaven. And That's what happens when we become believers. There, there's kind of a, a big shift uh, where, in a way, you could say, I'm no longer Australian, but I'm of you know, the kingdom of God. You know, I don't know if you've ever done this, maybe you did it in primary school, but churches kind of do this corny, uh, but like powerful, memorable thing. That you get to a school camp, and they give all their kids a, a fake passport. It's got your name on it. they got your photo from somewhere. It's got your date of birth. Everything that you normally find on a passport. But one major difference is that you know, nationality or citizenship, instead of saying Australia, it says heaven. Right? It's just a symbolic way of saying uh, you don't belong here anymore. Right? You are not of here. Uh, you're of there. Right? This isn't your home. and You're no longer citizens of you know, an earthly kingdom. You're citizens of a godly kingdom. And your life on earth is as an ambassador for Christ, like a spokesperson speaking on behalf of the kingdom that you belong to. And like every other kingdom, we have our own anthem where we sing gospel songs. We have our own culture. We have our own king. We have our own rules. We are as a church, our own nation where we are of his kingdom. And this isn't, me trying to subtly push for a specific church name but you know we are then in a way <laughs> wanderers slash nomads slash sojourners right and this is so uh, by the way just in case we've been talking about this through the membership course for the last couple of years okay this is exactly what we've been talking about i'm not just inserting here because we're choosing a name um but, you know when we were preaching through the exodus uh series i think last year or the year before um we got to this point in the story of Exodus where where it was just, it it was us, right? This was what life on earth is like. You know, the people of Israel had um, once lived in bondage as slaves to Pharaoh, but by the grace of God, the blood of the lamb, you know, painted on the wooden posts, they passed through the waters and they're saved. Right, and that's us. Once living in bondage as slaves, not to Pharaoh, but to sin, by the grace of God and the blood of the lamb, painted on the posts of, not doors, but cro- the cross. We pass through the waters in baptism and we're, we're saved. Um, and just like Israel, they were on a journey to a promised land, right? a land that God had, you know, will give to them. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And that's us. We're, we're on a journey to our promised land, heaven, a land that has no tears, no pain. You will have you know, milk and honey. It will be a paradise, a restored Eden. But right now, like Israel, we're wandering through the wilderness. It's a barren land full of trials, tests, pain, and longing. And that is what we are. We're a nation that does not belong in this place, going home, but not yet there. Right? So a family, intimate, close, brothers, sisters. And in this family, like a body, diverse. Right? That's a reality, but it's a good quality. We're trying to maintain that but this family of diverse people are on a journey, home. Right, we don't belong here. And where the local church fits into this whole analogy is that the local church and our gatherings and Sundays and small groups is like an embassy. All right, if you've ever traveled overseas, like you go to somewhere like Thailand, uh, you realize how quickly out of place you are. Everything is different. The food, the language, what they value, the culture, you're a fish out of water. But like you know, nearly every country, you go to Thailand, there's this little place called the Australian Embassy. And when you step onto that land, you're on Australian soil. And suddenly, everyone's speaking English with an Aussie accent. Right? The signs are in English. The books are in English. Right? There's a shrimp on the barbie, you know, whatever it is. And even though you're not, for the briefest moment, you feel like you're home. And that's what church is like for us. We are a people in a place where we don't belong. People have different values and culture. You know, we speak a different language because we're talking about the Bible. We have a different king, I said. But every time we gather as a church, it's like stepping into an embassy. We're meeting with people who understand us, speak the same language, who follow the same you know, kind of rules or you know, the things that they love is the things that I love. For the brief, briefest moment... Even though we're not, we feel like we're at home when we gather as a church. That's what I mean as church, as an embassy. It's our sanctuary because everywhere else on this earth, we we see that we we don't fit in. We're different. But here in the church, with Christ as our king, we find those uh, who can understand us. And we need that. If you feel like you can live your life here on earth without being plugged into a church, then maybe you're more of a, more of a resident of earth than a resident of heaven. Right? The Christian uh, living in this world should always have this kind of um, discomfort because you know, things are so different out there right, than the things that are on my heart. Right? We need to meet up with fellow believers to find our home just for a little bit. And so... Church family, uh, we're intimate brothers, sisters in Christ. Church is a body, diverse, right? That's just the reality. We accept it, but it's a quality. Let's celebrate it and let's fight to maintain it so it doesn't lead to division. And third, it's an embassy. It's a place where we can be at home for a little bit because we are strangers in a foreign land and we're on our way home, not yet there. Let me end with um, lyrics from a song. Uh, This is one of my favourite bands, Switchfoot. It's a band I discovered. No, just jokes. I said that um, for Pumi, because if you were there at facts a few weeks ago, she hates when I say that. This is a a band that Pumi and my wife um, liked before I did. I think I was introduced to from uni, um, but I think I like them better than they do now. Anyway, this is a song that they wrote. It's a song called Where I Belong, and I feel like it captures that longing for home well right? And maybe you can have a listen to it uh, after this. Um, the context actually is from Psalm 137, I think, right? They don't explicitly say it. In Psalm 137, um, the people of Israel are kind of in the same place as what I described in, in the book of Exodus. Uh, so it's, it's way back later. They're in captivity in Babylon. So they've gone to the promised land. You've had all the judges, you know, David, Solomon, etc. God judges them. Now they're in captivity in Babylon. Once again, slaves, once again, in a place they don't belong, longing to go back home right, to the promised land, right? That's the psalm. And I think the song is based on that psalm. And I'm just gonna read some of the lyrics. I think it explains it well. And maybe it means nothing to you. Go have a listen later, later maybe. Uh, the lyrics go like this. Some parts of the words are feeling like a refugee, like you don't belong to me. The colors flash across the sky, but I'm not sentimental. This skin and bones is a rental and no one makes it out alive. Until I die, I'll sing these songs on the shores of Babylon, still looking for a home in a world where I belong. Where the weak are finally strong, where the righteous right the wrongs, still looking for a home in a world where I belong. This body's not my home, this world is not my own. And on that final day I die, I wanna hold my head up high. And when I reach the other side, I want to look you in the eye, and know that I've arrived in a world where I belong. I don't know. These words kind of um, put uh, words to what's on my heart, which I think um, for a lot of believers really should be on our heart. that longing to be home uh, to a place where we belong. And so the two questions I want us to kind of have a chat about, if you want, are these. They're quite similar, um, but which of the three metaphors of the church, right, family, body, embassy uh, resonated most with you and why and then second uh, church is therefore meant to be a place of intimacy uh, diversity and it's a sanctuary uh, which do you struggle most with which um, are you most challenged in etc uh, let's chat about that okay